because with the lights being on, that changed everything. I want you to understand something. We talked about this last week, but I think it's really important because all of the passages of Ephesians, they, they shouldn't be taken separately. It, it was a unit. You've got to remember that this is probably a single sermon, and it would be much longer than anything I preached, okay? But every idea kind of builds on the last idea. And last week, the idea that we talked about is that as beloved children, that was the beginning of chapter 5, that there were certain things that as children we were supposed to walk in. And the idea last week is that we were supposed to walk in the light. Okay? As believers, we were supposed to walk in the light. And, and I think that we need to have our mindset that we're going through the maze of life and it's absolutely changed because we went from kind of groping around in the dark trying to figure out where to go that when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, boom, the lights have come on. And all of a sudden, there is this ability that we never had before to live differently, not because we're manning up or being different. The walk challenge isn't about manning up. It's about you're just in a completely different spot than you were before. I have turned the lights on. Remember we talked about you're no longer this. You're this instead. The lights are on so you can see differently. And so it's really important to understand that when the lights are on, all of a sudden we can do things that we couldn't do before. And as we continue in the passage, he tells us that we need to walk in another way. And, and, and I want you to keep in your mind that, that this isn't a new to-do list. This is a new to-be list. This is who I am. This is what I am capable of. This is how my life has changed because God came into the maze of my life. And John 1 says what? In the beginning and the was the Word, and the Word was light, remember? And when I accepted that, all of a sudden, light came into my life, and I could see things differently. Now, I had trained myself to walk in darkness. That's the training that I went through. I trained myself to live that way. In some days, I think I'm still in darkness. I pretend. I close my eyes, and, you know, that's what I tried to do in the maze for a minute. It was like, I don't like the lights being on in the maze. I'm just going to close my eyes and grope through it the way I usually do because it's more fun. And I think that occasionally in life, the way some people talk, have you ever heard people talk about their before Jesus experience? And they talk about it with such fondness that you think, that what they really want to do is they want to say, you know, I just want to pretend I'm not a Christian and I just want to grow through life. But God has turned on the lights so that we can live differently. And a part of that different walk is that now instead of just walking aimlessly, thoughtlessly, Paul brings up another idea. He says that in light of the great grace that is ours and all that he's done for us, he says that we can walk in light. And in walking in light, we can walk in wisdom. Okay, now, we need a working definition for wisdom. In its simplest idea, wisdom is making good decisions with the knowledge I have. Okay? 
That's what it is. It's just simply applying knowledge. That's whipping. That we, we can make it really fancy and everything, but that's basically what it is. If you read through the book of Proverbs, it's, it's a whole bunch of little tiny ideas that you should apply to your life. It, that's what wisdom is. But he's saying something really interesting. He says, hey, the lights are on. You, you can live life differently. And because of that, you can make decisions differently than you have before. Now, all of a sudden, instead of just walking the way that you did before, you can walk in wisdom. This is how he says it. He starts in verse 15, and he goes, Look carefully how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. Now, in Scripture, there's a term for people who aren't wise. Who knows what that term is? It's the foolish, okay? I think that occasionally, when my kids were growing up, I, I tried not to use the words that you're not smart or what in the world are you thinking, but I would occasionally apply biblical terms to them. And I'd say, I think that what you decided there was very foolish. Because, see, you have this knowledge, and you are not applying it to the situation at all. Okay, so he goes on, and he says that I want you to walk in wisdom. And he says, first of all, that you're to look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. So the walk of someone who is wise is a careful walk. In other words, it, it, it's someone that's engaged in what's going on. You know, we have a dog that enjoys our backyard, but since we've had the dog that enjoys our backyard, I walk more carefully in the backyard. I'm aware there are issues in the backyard that I have to walk through. There is a sense, the, the word, I, I like the word that they actually used in the King James. It says, we're supposed to walk circumscriptly. We're supposed to walk carefully. All of a sudden, there is this sense that God is calling us and he's saying, I have renewed your mind. I have given you a new mind. I've given you a new way of thinking. Please use it. Walk carefully. You know? When, when things happen like accidents, people don't usually say, well, I was being really careful and I hit that tree. No. They usually say, I, 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 I was distracted for a moment and this happened. You know, I, I like what one insurance company, they put all these things on and the guy goes, I swear left and right and left and right until I finally hit it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but God is calling us to walk carefully. Take, take a look at this verse from Proverbs that goes along with that. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Isn't that good? Psalm says this, your word is a what? A light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. A as much as we hate to do it, and, and we should understand it because we live in the Adirondacks, a part of the hike is looking down to see what roots and what rocks I need to, to climb to get up to the top of the mountain. We have to walk carefully. The, the, the silliest mistakes I've made on hiking is holding my GPS and trying to see where I need to go and tripping over something that's at my feet because I'm not walking carefully. It, it, it talks about this too in Matthew. This is what Jesus said. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep into the midst of a wolf. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. 
we need to walk carefully. But we need to do more than walk carefully. It says we need to make the best use of time because the days are evil. The other thing that we have to do is it not only affects where we walk, but it affects what enters into our calendar, doesn't it? Into what we used to call a day timer, (laughs) the thing that you would log your time with. There is this sense that God is calling us to walk in wisdom with time and to redeem it. A pastor friend of mine talked about to his people, and he says, I'd like you to take a salt shaker this week and just shake a little salt wherever you are. He says, I think that sometimes we'd be afraid to see that the piles are a little too high some places because we're not redeeming time. We're wasting it. God is calling us because the lights are on and we understand that the days are evil. Remember, light all of a sudden exposes things to us, right? And we understand what's going on. So there's an urgency to how we live our lives. I I appreciate D.L. Moody who felt such an urgency in life that he would walk down the street and if anybody came into his path, he was pretty sure they needed to hear the gospel. It got to the point in Chicago where he lived that people that knew him would walk to the other side of the street because they didn't want to hear the gospel. We have to redeem the time. God is calling us to do that. Scripture talks about this. In Psalms it says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Every day is an opportunity, a a sacred opportunity. Wisdom redeems time. In Ephesians, it says, as we read on, it says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Now, this is something really interesting because sometimes we take this idea of the will of God and we make it so huge and such a big, almost cumbersome, hard thing to understand that we miss the point. The will of God is pretty simple. It's right here. We need to trust him more. We need to be willing to surrender our lives to maybe his agenda instead of our personal agenda for the day. You know, we've got to get away from that thinking of, God, this is what i got planned as we run out of the house. Please bless my idea. You know, we have to be willing to understand what the will of God is, to not be foolish, which is to live detached, to have all this knowledge and do nothing about it. It talks about this again in... in, um, In Romans chapter 12, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may test and discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You see, wisdom seeks to understand not just what's going on, but what God wants to do in the midst of things. I, I, I am so honored to represent this church and the Lord on committees and in different things in our community and one of the things i pray is god give me the wisdom of solomon as i enter into these situations so all of a sudden over and over again they're blown away by not how awesome i am but how awesome you are in the midst of things we are called to have minds that we love God with, right? We're supposed to love him with our heart, but we're also supposed to love him with our mind. Have you ever thought about that? 
That is what wisdom is about. What goes on in the passage, in verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, wisdom is spirit-filled. It's not that all of a sudden I become brilliant. When I was a young believer and I was first a pastor, I just got this idea that I was smarter than a lot of other people. And, and I would think that, man, I, I, I think these things. And, and I was actually told as a young pastor, we're blown away at times by the wisdom you have. But see, it was, I thought it was my wisdom. It's not my wisdom. I was just a vessel that God was putting his wisdom into. And, and we have to decide what we're going to be filled with. There are some of you that are in recovery here, and you remember the life of being filled with wine, don't you? You remember the things that went along with being filled with wine. Some of you maybe never were filled with wine, but maybe you were filled with yourself. And you, you put yourself first, and you maybe even used Bible verses to do it at times. But you were filled with something other than the Spirit. And he talks about this idea that we need to be filled with the Spirit. Remember that prayer that he had in the end of chapter 3 where he talked that he wanted us to be filled with the fullness of God? This is something that we need to understand about our souls and the vessel that we are. We're broken. Okay? And so we need to ask for a constant filling of the Holy Spirit because... It's always leaking out. Now, we don't need to ask for a baptism of the Spirit. That happened when we got saved. And we don't have to be asked to be sealed. That happened when we got saved. But there is this idea that we need to constantly be putting ourselves in a situation where we need God. You know, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you. I need to be filled with you constantly because when I go solo, when I freelance without my God, it's not a good thing. So wisdom is spirit-filled. Why is wisdom spirit-filled? Because it's not us. It's God renewing our mind. It's God making this difference. This is what it says in Galatians. After it explains what the fruit of the Spirit, it says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You know? We, we imitate what we see the Spirit doing. That's even, that's even what Jesus did. Did you ever think about that? He says, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. I'm imitating. And so we, we take the cadence of the Spirit. You know, when I went to the um, National Olympic Center, um, the, the Olympic Center in Colorado Springs, they have these harnesses. I don't know exactly how it worked. They weren't using them at the time. They were explaining it in the Olympic pool. They have harnesses that they can put on to people when they're practicing their events so they can dial in. Like maybe they're a second off the world record. So they can dial in two seconds above the world record and it will help them keep that pace. Okay? Maybe, maybe we're only taking third in an event and God forbid the Russians are beating us. Well, they can take the speed of the Russian and they can dial it in or they can dial in a little bit more. And by doing that and practicing that, all of a sudden, they're no longer just going in their own cadence. God is wanting to fill us with his spirit. 
And he's wanting the spirit to be dialed in. So no longer are we going at the pace of life that is just us alone. We've got spirit fuel injection that is moving us on in life. So what does it mean to be filled by the spirit? He gives several examples. In verse 19, he says this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, when I'm out in the world... They do not address each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Have you ever noticed that? There's a language of the world, and occasionally you step into it, and you're just kind of like, I, I never thought of those things as adjectives and, you know, of dis- descriptors in, in, in language. But all of a sudden, when we meet Jesus, it should change our verbiage. Now, some of you are a little afraid of this, and you shouldn't be. It's just who you are. You have a new accent, you know. I, I, I've been told by some people that when they listen to me for a while, they know I'm from the Midwest because of some of the lilt in my voice and the way I do things, especially if I get home for a while so that I can do it like this because this is how they really talk. How are you today? Everything sounds like a question even though it's not, you know. But there is this sense that we all have a little bit of an accent. He's saying, wait a minute here. When you are spirit-filled, there should be a certain accent to your voice. See, you've entered a different culture. You're going to think in a different way. You're going to be a different person. And all of a sudden, some of the things that we, because of the, see, if it's not coming in, it's not going to ooze out. If you're not putting in things, they're not going to ooze out. This This is what it said, I think in Colossians, it says this. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. You see, if you're not putting any in, if you're not allowing it to be filled, it will never overflow. But God is saying that when we're spirit-filled, all of a sudden there's a different vocabulary that we have not only that it says that we have a different thought life it says singing and making melody to the lord with all your heart this is talking about not just what you're saying on the outside but what's happening on the inside and we've talked about this we've talked about our heart songs before and we've talked about the importance of maybe having a spiritual playlist at times I remember when we were in between churches, there's a song by Waterdeep called Great Are You, Lord, and that was my song. And I would sing it over and over again to the Lord. God is calling us that all of a sudden, our heart song should change. All that anxiety and worry and things that are sometimes inside of you that if anybody really knew what you were thinking, they'd all freak out. You know what I'm talking about? That's supposed to change to a melody you know that's why i love i'm no longer a slave to fear i love the first song line you unravel me what with your melody that's something on the inside a spirit-filled life has a really interesting playlist to it and the next verse says that giving thanks always for everything to god the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled circumstances 
don't believe in fatalism or fate. They don't believe in coincidence. Have you ever had people come up to you and go, what a coincidence? I'm going, nah. All of our circumstances, whether good or bad, whether easy or hard, are all spirit-filled. Because if they're not, then God's only kind of sovereign instead of sovereign. And he says, what in James? That he works everything to our good? That's in Romans. He says he works all circumstances to our good. You know, in the beginning of James, he gives us tailored trials and circumstances so we can be perfect and complete and lack nothing. You see, all of a sudden, we have spirit-filled circumstances so we can say, thank you, Lord, for the fact that you interrupted my life in this way today. The other day, I was just hungry, and, and I was like, you know, I, I probably should just keep working. But then I decided, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. And so I ended up at a store, and I ended up in an hour-long conversation with somebody. Why? God redeemed that time. God had a plan. He was working in all circumstances. And if I hadn't been hungry, I would have never caught up with those people. And they're like, wow, this is incredible. And in my mind, I thought, no. No. It's just the spirit-filled circumstance. I know that some things are hard, and, and it's hard to be grateful in all things. But that's what the Word of God tells us to do, because God uses everything so that we can be perfect and complete and lack, not lacking anything. Now, occasionally I say, okay, God, what am I lacking? <laughs> Why do I have to go through this? But God works in spirit-filled circumstances. Colossians says this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, it's interesting, if we look back at this verse, it didn't say some circumstances or every once in a while, does it? It says always in everything. There are some absolutes in our Christian experience, and one of them is that all of our circumstances can be spirit-filled circumstances. One last thing, I believe. The last thing that it tells us is we should have spirit-filled difference. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I chose the word difference, which isn't a word we use a lot anymore, because it described all the elements that I thought were a part of this word. Because look at it. It says difference is respectful submission or yielding. Because we have such a strong understanding that God's in charge, we don't need to be in control. And so there is a willingness that we can have in our spirits to acquiesce to one another, to allow somebody else to be of greater importance, to, to not feel like we have to give title and, 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 and why we should have the priority and why we should go in, in a certain direction. You know, the next chapter is going to talk about relationships and it's going to talk about roles in relationships. But it's really important before it even gets to that verse, it says that submission isn't just an act for some people, for the subordinate. Submission is an act that we have for one another. There is a way that we yield to each other and care for each other. Remember in James, 
how he was very frustrated in chapter 2 because of the prejudices that we had and that some people would receive honor and would receive preference and other people were not seen as worthy of it. This idea of spiritual differences, this willingness to see that everybody is ultimately of special importance to God. And so I treat everybody as specially created by God. You know, we like to think horizontally and forget vertically. Sometimes we can be so frustrated with this person and why are they like that and everything. And we can be so mad. But we would never say to God, why in the world did you create them? Why are they this way? You know, you wouldn't have that discussion that maybe you should. But a spirit-filled life is willing to give humility, meekness, honor, and submission to each other. So, we are to walk in wisdom, which means we're supposed to watch carefully. We're supposed to redeem time. We're supposed to seek God's will. We're supposed to be spirit-filled in our vocabulary, in our thoughts, in our circumstances, in our difference in relationships. And you know why we can do this? Because God turned the light on. Because we walk in light, all of a sudden we walk completely differently. Now, do we always make that option? Do you come into every situation and go, I am going to walk in difference in this option? You know, occasionally your flesh raises up and says, I have walked in difference long enough and I'm going to draw a line here. Three strikes and you're, you know, and all those different things that we say. That's what goes on. We can do this in every single one of these areas. But the reality is when we don't have this wisdom because all of a sudden we got Christian and we got smarter or we got educated and we got our, our biblical PhD. No, we got this because the Spirit fills us and the light illuminates us and we can see things completely different than we've ever seen them before. It's a gift of grace that he gives us that we can live completely different. This is what grace does for us. It gives us the ability to walk at a completely different cadence of life in a completely different way. And there are days that at the end of the day, you feel a sense of sadness and emptiness. Why? Because you were not filled with the Spirit on that day, and it all leaked out. And you realize, I had such great options today, and I just chose me. That's all I chose today. I didn't choose to be a child of light. Uh, I, I didn't walk as his beloved. I, I walked as my beloved. And I put me first. And you're saying, well, Pastor Jim, is this a new to-do list? No, this is a new to-be list. This is who you are. God has turned on the light. You don't have to grope through the maze of life anymore. Isn't that nice? At every turn, he's going to turn on the next light, and you're going to have light on your path. Now, in the basement between our part of the basement and the ministry house apartment, there are light switches, but they're on pole switches. So me being who I am, I started doing some investigating, saying, I would really like to have motion lights in between this area, Okay. And I found out that there are these bulbs that you can buy that are smart bulbs. And so as you walk by each bulb, the motion sensor's inside the bulb. And as you're walking through, it goes bloop, bloop, bloop. And all the lights will go on in between there. 
I think that's a beautiful picture of what happens in our Christian experience. As we look forward and we think there's darkness, but as we take that next step, bloop, on comes the light. And God gives us the information we need for that stage. And then we step a little further, and bloop, on comes the light. And, you know, and then we turn around and we look and there's no longer light there because you know why? We don't need it there anymore. But God has called us to walk in wisdom. And that wisdom is capable because he turned the lights on. Aren't you thankful for that? God turned the lights on. That's why all of a sudden when you take a look at the prayers that he had for us, let's turn back to Ephesians 3 just for a second. In Ephesians 3, at the end of it, he prayed this prayer for us. And um, I think it's really interesting because I think it kind of fits into this. It says, it's talking about all these graces that are ours, and he says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. He didn't pray that we would do these things. He prayed that we'd understand that we have these things available. But my concern for each one of us is if we were to look at the fuel tank of our Christian experience, that sometimes that little light is coming on. You know what light that is? When you look at your fuel gauge in your car and all of a sudden the light comes on and, in, and you try to remember, okay, now how far can I drive with this little light on? Uh, a while ago, I, I had to meet somebody in Saranac Lake and I realized that as I started driving to Saranac Lake, that the little light had been on for a while. So then I have a button I can hit, and it says, this is how many miles you can go and, and not look foolish on the side of the road. And um, it said 11.2. And in my mind it was like, well, Saranac Lake is only like 7.6 from here, so I can still be on time to my meeting. But then after the meeting, it was like, Okay, it said I had 1.8 left. And I'm like, okay, how close am I to a gas station? Every morning when you wake up, the little light is on. And your spiritual tank needs to be filled. And some of you have been running your Christian experience in your own strength. And every once in a while, you're worried. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Well, you're not. Because you're not spiritually filled. God is calling us to remember that the lights are on and to walk in wisdom. Here's just something interesting as we close. Oh. We're no longer foolish or inebriated, <laughs> filled with something other than the Spirit. Okay? Some of you can really thank the Lord for that today, can't you? So, um, 
as we close today, I just pray that we would begin having this clear understanding of the fact that we need Christ. You know, there's the old song that says, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, what? Every hour I need you. It's not like every once in a while I need you or every other week I need you. We need him often. He built us for this relationship that may seem frustrating, but it is so exciting to him. He loves us to need him. He created us to need him. So instead of trying to be dependent on all grown up, we need to be interdependent and humbly walking before our God. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today and I I thank you for the fact that you turned the lights on and God, as I begin this prayer, I, I pray for people that are like, but, but how do you turn on a light? Pastor Jim, how does that start? Where, where's the light switch? And God, I, I'm so glad to tell them that today that the cross is the light switch. And if you ask Jesus to be your personal Savior and to forgive you for the things that stand between you and God, for the, the rebellion that you have and the distrust you've had of God, that because of what Jesus Christ died, he died for and took the punishment for those sins so that you can have relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are a person that has not made that decision, it's as simple as a prayer that just basically says, Jesus, forgive me. Please be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. If you've repeated those simple words, then you've begun that relationship. God's turned the light switch on in your life. And then, God, I pray for the rest of us. We have gotten way too comfortable with living with our tank on empty. We have gotten way too comfortable, God, with believing that there's gray and that we can walk in the shadows. We have gotten way too comfortable And bought into the lie that we are not children of light and that you don't give us your wisdom. And today we rebuke that rebellion and that foolishness. And God, we ask today that you would fill us up and that you would show us how to walk in wisdom. God, that it would affect our time. It would affect our thinking. It would affect our conversations, God. And it would affect the way we treat each other. God, we pray that as your children, we would truly be children of the light. I I don't know what God is speaking to you today. I, I don't know what he's saying to you today. But I pray that you would trust him in that as he seeks to make you a child of light. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, God and Savior. Amen.